Hey there. Welcome to Twins Talk Clear-Cut Communication. Yes, we are twins. And yes, we are two old guys who should know better than to try to tackle the topic of communication in a podcast. But we're going to do it anyway, and hopefully you'll find it informative and maybe even enjoyable. Hey, we're coming to you from uh, Toadsuck, Arkansas today. And <laughs> oh my. that is a real name. That is not a made-up name. There is such a city as Toadsuck, Arkansas. We're there. It's not big, but we're in Toadsuck, Arkansas. And we wanted to begin to start an exploration of case studies that really kind of expand or explore what we've been talking about in this area of conflict management. And if you remember now, we've provided you two different models of conflict. One is a a model of interpersonal conflict by Gerald Miller at Michigan State University, where it really talks about conflict occurring in one of three forms, simple, pseudo, or ego. And the other one is the Thomas Kilman model of five styles of conflict in which there's a competitive style, a collaborative style, compromising, accommodation, and avoidance the three C's and the two A's. But we wanted to go to case studies and work this out. Right, Bear? Right. Okay. So we had several people willing to share with us, either in person or uh, in writing a case study. And we just wanted to talk through a couple of those and explore them in light of these two models. And one of the ones we received was from an executive who really has been responsible for a lot of major turnarounds in organizations. He's identified as a kind of turnaround kind of guy, and that became his MO as an executive. But the case he gave us was one when he was relatively new to his position, and he was working in the sales area, and they were working with GE. He was working with GE, had been brought in, and really had technical expertise. And as I remember it, Ray, as he shared it with us, this was new to GE. They're, they typically did not bring technical people into the sales side of the business. And so there was already a salesperson working with, I think it was John Deere, and this fellow, Sam, we're going to call him. And so brought in Sam, and Sam had a lot of technical expertise in the products they were selling. Well, actually, Bob, uh, GE was changing strategies almost completely in terms of assisting their customers. Mm. They had a, a pretty good sized sales force, but the people out in sales were not technical. Mm. They had not been on the plant floor. They had not been working with the machinery. They were people who knew sales, but didn't necessarily know the equipment. And Sam was a bit of a pilot uh, an experiment and using a technical resource, someone who was very well thought of on the floor and had significant expertise in the product that was going to John Deere and that he could actually service their needs related to the product. And that was a new strategy for GE at the time. And Sam was probably only five or six years into his career with GE when they asked him, would you consider being in the sales or distribution side of the business? And so he was brought into distribution territory that had been managed by Bill. And Bill saw this immediately as a threat. Bill was not pleased to see this new strategy that GE was employing. And my understanding is that Bill came right to Sam and said, hey, I don't like this. I'm not pleased that you're here. We've got this situation. We're going to have to live with it. But I just let you know up front, I'm not pleased at all. 
And I think you and I both interpreted that as well. Boy, Bill's threatened. He's not, his displeasure is more a case of having people encroach or particularly Sam encroach on his territory. So that's not a good thing. So right up front, I was beginning to think about the notion of ego conflict and Bill put it out there in a hurry and essentially said, you know, uh, my ego's involved in this now. I've got a reputation online and I'm not pleased with what I see going on. Right. I think, I think you're right. I think from the details we got, Bill was very offended. He was very put off by the fact that management would put this rookie who had no sales experience, no serious sales experience in his area, in his field and split the business. And the two of them were going to share a budget that involved more than one client, but each had a percentage share of this budget. And Sam had about 40% of the budget and Bill had about 60% of the budget, which meant in terms of results, Bill ought to be producing about 60% more in revenue than and Sam 40%. And another interesting wrinkle I thought was that both Bill and Sam knew each other prior to this new positional relationship that GE had put them in. And that GE also was viewing this as kind of, I don't want to call it a pilot project, but could become a marker of how they were going to do sales going forward. And so there was a lot riding on this, not only the budget, uh, but co-leadership and the design that they were working on. And so my impression was Sam said, I got a job to do. I have to go after this. We need to be productive. And so initially he had limited contact with Bill, but just around the production. And about six months in, he began to see that Bill was simply not holding up his end. He wasn't producing 60% of the revenue based on his budget. So now it became an issue for Sam. Up until that time, Sam was focused on getting the work done in his area, but now it was beginning to impinge upon Sam in terms of Bill's lack of productivity. And that became the issue for Sam. So now we would view it on the first model. Sam views this as a simple conflict. We got an issue here. You're not producing and you've got to pick up your productivity. Bill's working from an ego-based position where he's still working that uh, Sam has encroached on his area. But in terms of the Thomas Kilman model, we've got to figure out, or Sam's got to figure out, how do we get this stuff done? Sam essentially used an avoidance mode. Am I right? He tended to initially just say, I don't need to deal with Bill. I got to get this done until... Well, actually, as I remember the details, Bob, that happened much later. Ah. That happened when Sam confirmed that Bill's lack of success was not going to affect his paycheck. Mm. Uh, Sam was young, had a family, Mm. and his attitude was, Bill, when you don't produce, you're taking money away from me and my family. Mm -hmm. And so he brought that to Bill's attention. You have to step it up. The other thing I think in my experience with manufacturing is that the people who are on the floor have a far greater goal orientation, a far greater commitment to productivity and outcomes than sales do. Sales see their job as more of a long haul, create the connection, keep uh, nourishing that connection, keep feeding that connection, and then it'll turn over into a sale or distribution that will create a profit. Well, Sam's belief was, no, you got to get the job done. You've got to hit the goals. You've got to hit the marks. And so how was he dealing with Bill at that time? You're right. It wasn't until eight to 10 months out that Sam said he realized they were going to hit their target. So Bill no longer was an issue. But uh, do you remember how he dealt with Bill up to that eight months? Well, my impression was, although this wasn't the word he used, is that he would nag Bill. Ah. Now, he continued to bring to Bill's attention things that weren't getting done, numbers that weren't being hit. And uh, he would do that regularly, believing that Bill needed to respond, which in fact, Bill didn't. Hmm. Bill continued in his path, his normal style, his normal approach to sales and distribution. 
And uh, I think that was very frustrating for Sam. And he couldn't really go to anyone above him because he and Bill did not report to the same individual. Hmm. And and as I remember him sharing it, the two individuals above them didn't like each other. They didn't connect well. So there wasn't much reason for Sam to go to his supervisor in hopes of crossing a line and and getting to Bill's supervisor and getting Bill's supervisor to put some pressure on Bill. That was unlikely to happen. So would we have a recommendation of how Sam might have handled that first eight months in terms of maybe nagging was the uh, solution? And again, bringing it to his attention, continually pushing for the productivity to get increased. Uh, But would we have a recommendation from the model that says, okay, if you want to do this more collaboratively, here's some things you might have tried. Here's some things you could have done. Do we say, you know, essentially, given the dynamics, you were using the right strategy, particularly when it comes down to eight months out, we're now aware that this thing is going to work itself out. And avoidance becomes a strategy because it's going to be a one-year project. And as we found out, Sam eventually left the organization and joined John Deere and now became the client for Bill. So as Sam described it, we had a good relationship then because everything changed. So the avoidance really worked and ended up saying, you know, now we're in a new relationship. And from Sam's perspective, that's all it took. It worked. We got to the right place and we're functioning in the right way now. But as we look back over that eight months, would there be anything we would have said, well, you might have tried this? Yeah, I think there was. And uh, as you and I have discussed, I think Sam's approach was more competitive. He intended to win. And while he didn't intend for Bill to lose, that was not his issue. He thought Bill could protect himself and save himself by just producing. So Sam was very competitive early on. Well, I say Barry, he was competitive early on. Now, if we were to suggest a collaborative approach, I don't remember Sam ever indicating that he and Bill had had a conversation about how they might both succeed, Mm. what it was going to take, how they would keep track of their success, how they would support each other. Mm. What things did Bill need from Sam in order to feel like this experiment, this pilot was working? And what did Sam need from Bill in the way of productivity and sharing of that productivity that would make uh, Sam's life work. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't remember him ever indicating that kind of conversation taking place, which would have been more collaborative. We would have to say, let's both find a way to win here. And because our styles were so different in terms of coming from such different orientations, such different backgrounds, I think that might have clarified how best to go about this collectively. Now, what could be true uh, from the story that we, we heard was maybe they didn't need to work as a team. Because they separated out the clients and Sam handled his client one way and Bill handled his client the other way. And if Bill would have met his goal, Sam would not have cared one way or another. Hmm. Because all he was focused on was if we're going to get paid top dollar, if we're going to get paid maximum, uh, both of us need to be hitting our sales quota. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that might be might have been a start of being more collaborative to ask the question, in fact, even as you said that, I was thinking in order for Sam to be more collaborative, he would have need to get into more of an inquiry mode. My sense of things is that Sam was more inclined to consistently point out where Bill was missing the mark or more inclined to consistently indicate to Bill, you need to get it together quicker or sooner. You're not meeting goals. And in that form would be more of an advocacy approach. And so if we say, okay, Sam would need to try to work it 
being a bit more collaborative, if that's what he would want to do in order to have a better working relationship with Bill, I think it would have required of Sam to put himself more in a mode where he's asking more questions. He's getting more information from Bill. He's genuinely inquiring, Bill, what's going to work for you? How do you be successful? Are there things I can be doing that make you successful? And so there would have had, that element would have had to be there. And again, like well, you said, that may not have been necessary. They, they weren't highly interdependent. One of the things that you've mentioned in previous conversation about this case is Sam's style, that he might be expressive, which means he didn't put a relationship up front as a critical element to succeed at. And as a result, he didn't consider Bill's context, Bill's values, Bill's approach, Bill what's important to him, and put the relationship up there in front where he would have said, I want to create a relationship here, or at least I want to maintain a functioning relationship. A relationship didn't seem to surface as a priority for Sam. And as a result, collaboration was really not likely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of context, because when we talked about the five strategies of managing conflict, we also gave each one of them a context. And I don't think at this time, in this case, that the variables in the context required competition. There was no urgency. I mean, there, there was an immediate urgency, certainly not 24 hours kind of thing. No one had to be the expert in this, and no one was considered the total expert in this, by and large, way superior in terms of understanding. Uh, so I don't think competition was a best first strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think the context was such that collaboration could have been tried, that, that it might have been more functionally effective. Now, Again, because they saw the conflict differently, that Bill saw his ego, that's tough to sort out where people are going to go with that. <laughs> yes. I mean, if people feel offended or put off, they may do some things. They may have an agenda that you can't see easily and you can't work with easily. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this was a different conflict for both of them, both of them were in conflict, but it was a different conflict for both of them, creates, again, another variable that that makes a difference in terms of how you might approach it. And which reflects kind of our general orientation that our first thought is, if you can, collaboration is the best strategy in working relationship. And so we move towards that one. And then we look at the other ones and say, to what degree does the context dictate another one would be the better strategy? Now, I have to confess, after I listened to this case, I had tended previously to not think that avoidance is a particularly useful strategy. And yet I found as this case unfolded, avoidance was a relatively useful strategy. And if the relationship was going to exist over years, it then became a potential to say, okay, we got to move to another one because we can't continue to just simply ignore what's going on. But you pointed out something to me that I think is important in terms of context is if we're not highly interdependent, if there is a good degree of independence in terms of our functioning activities, then avoidance can work pretty effectively. We don't have to engage. We don't have to continue to work at it because it requires a lot of energy and effort to be collaborative. And so even though we promote collaboration, one of the things you have to think about, and this case is a good example of that, to what degree do we need to be connected with each other? To what degree are we in in some uh, organizational literature terms, tightly coupled versus loosely coupled? And I would say Bill and Sam were essentially loosely coupled. So you can opt for strategies that are not intense and really pushing towards a more collaborative approach. Well, again, as the case unfolded and Sam shared with us, after about eight months, when it dawned on him that Bill couldn't prevent him from being successful, 
that in fact his share of the territory was sufficiently independent the bill was not going to prevent him from earning what he felt was necessary. At that point, Sam acknowledged, I could care less whether I had any contact with Bill. Mm -hmm. He avoided contact. It didn't initiate contact. I think that was, by and large, an appropriate strategy, a useful strategy in that Bill no longer was a distraction to him. Mm -hmm. He could focus on what he needed to do to be successful and not have to focus on Bill and his issues. So I agree with you that avoidance at that point, once he determined Bill would not be an obstruction to what he wanted to accomplish, then his attitude was, I I don't need to deal with Bill and I have no intention of dealing with Bill because it just takes time and energy that I don't want to exert. And for some of our listeners, I think oftentimes they feel, well, I've got to be in a good relationship with my colleagues and my coworkers, because that's just the way we ought to do things. And so we work harder at relationships than maybe is necessary. And you gave a clear example in one of our other case conversations about the notion that in manufacturing, that collaborative feel, that sense of collegiality, that sense of being connected with colleagues is not near as critical as it might be in other contexts. And so some of our listeners, maybe the value of this is saying, you know, you need to you need to weigh this and think how important is it to the successful outcomes of my job in terms of continuing to invest in trying to manage the conflict versus just say, I'm just going to set myself aside from it. I'm going to uh, disconnect. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I don't remember mentioning, and I think it's a remiss on my part, that part of the context you want to consider in your strategy is how important is the relationship? What is the nature of the relationship and how important is it that it be maintained? Because if it's not critical, then spending a lot of energy and time and interest in trying to maintain it or build it may not be necessary. So in this case, I think that the notion that they were teamed up was an illusion more than a fact. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned earlier, the, the, the end of that story is kind of interesting in that Sam was so successful at what he was doing that John Deere actually wanted to have him come in and manage the plant that he was distributing the product to because he was so knowledgeable and because they liked the way he handled himself and the way he handled the people on the floor when he was there helping them install, that they actually offered him the job as plant manager, probably the youngest and one of the first outsiders to be given that position of significant importance to the organization. And so at that point, Bill took over the entire area again, which included Sam's plant. And he and Sam became, I don't know, friends, but they became good business associates in terms of Sam counted on Bill to deliver. And Bill knew that Sam had better be served well, because if he didn't, he'd take his business elsewhere. And I have this vision of Bill, with Sam being so successful and have become a turnaround executive, of Bill essentially being in the uh, twilight of a mediocre career. (laughs) Bill just retires and sitting in sub-pub uh, talking about the good old days where Sam's out there running and gunning. Yeah. I, I had that same impression. The bill was beyond halfway in his career and he was wrapping it up. Hey, Bear, any way that you could summarize this case study in terms of the principles involved and some of the things we've been trying to pull out of it? Well, I thought, Bob, it was uh, particularly good for reinforcing the idea that collaboration is a first priority for us in terms of trying to create functional relationships that give you new options. And while in this particular case, neither party looked at the relationship as a critical variable, I think by and large, we tend to think that every time you get into a conflict situation, you need to consider the relationship. And not only for the relationship's sake, but for the outcome, that when the relationships are maintained, taken care of, often the outcomes are superior. In this case, I'm not sure that either party 
found a solution or found an alternative that they hadn't already come into the conflict with. So again, I think the summary I would have is that I'm not sure collaboration ever became a focal point for either, but it is clear that avoidance did work. It did make a difference and both parties lived well with it both then and subsequently when they were in a different kind of contact. Yeah, I guess I would say I felt like Sam was pretty successful in managing the conflict. And really, the only thing we would add is that in that first eight months, if he had maybe thought about trying collaboration as an approach versus a competition, he may have ended up in a better place regarding the relationship and in a better place regarding novel solutions to potential outcome. The twins are done talking for today. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you with feedback regarding today's theme or a situation you'd like us to step into during a future session. You can reach us at twintalk46 at gmail.com. Remember, no communication problem is so big, so complicated, or so intense that we can't make it larger, more complex, or more dangerous than it already is, almost effortlessly. And we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod for the score that both began and ended this podcast.